Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. That's the Advertising Show being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production, and our very special guest today, it's either John Winsell or John Winsell, and we chose John Winsell because we like his picture better. Out of New York, uh, Director of Strategy Team at the uh, ID Society. A lot of neat things going on there. We've got John for a couple of hours today in the Advertising Show. Also have back with us Patrick Meyer, the Marketing Insider, and uh, Brad Patrick's going to be talking about innovation today. What's uh, what's that all about? Something good. Joe Jaffe's A Different Perspective. And Joe has something next hour, Brad. It's called uh, Virtual Reality. Have you heard about the people who are online with the Virtual Reality uh, properties that they're buying and selling? And not just well, investing a couple of bucks, they're investing like, you know, uh, the hundreds of thousands of dollars in this stuff? And almost, yes, I have been reading about that. I don't know in particular what Joe has in mind today, but it'll be interesting. Well, Joe's always interesting. Neither does Joe, okay? So yeah. we're, we're even there. Jeffrey Gittimer, a couple of words that you want to understand, about, and they are you and why. And Andy Borowitz, too, is back with more on Howard Dean. Um, it appears he's not really helping the Democrats out this time around, so we'll find out about that. Uh, later on this hour, our advertising showcase as well. So how are you doing? I'm well. How about you, Ray? I'm well done. Yes, I am. A little toasty around this edge, but that's okay. Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, I like to say that if I was any better, I'd be Ray Shellens. But, you know, that's getting old for our regular listeners. But, you know, John hasn't listened, so it's new for him. But I want to mention, uh, this is right up your alley, Ray. Yeah. Uh, HBO, an executive, I don't know if you heard about this last week, Mm. an HBO executive, as in the word former HBO executive, was sentenced to three years and one month of home detention after admitting that she, not he, she received over $400,000 in kickbacks from printing vendors printing vendors, uh, and must now spend seven months in prison, according to prosecutors. And so, you know, whenever you're out there, you advertising and marketing people, and some okay. printer says, uh, <laughs> if you give me your business, I'll give you some kickbacks under the table. You right. might want to check into... Uh, Michelle Comack, uh, who is, you know, what's her number? cell number 12. Yeah, I was going to say, what's the ID number there? <laughs> well, she's former director of print services for Home Box Office, and she pleaded guilty in 04 in U.S. District Court in Manhattan yeah. to bid rigging, uh, conspiracy, and tax charges. Uh, but, you know, apparently the judge had originally rejected federal uh, sentencing guidelines calling for a prison term of more than three years after concluding that Comack was oh. needed at home to care for her ill daughter. So, wow. you know, if you have an ill daughter, uh, maybe you need to watch out what you're doing during your business day. Yeah, no uh, kidding. Yeah. And visiting hours are weekends from 10 to 2 uh, on every other uh, odd Wednesday or something. How would you know that? I don't know that. Oh. I don't know I that. thought maybe you had friends in the big house. No, little house, just not the big <laughs> house. Not yet, at least. <laughs> uh, we always talk about junk food here and about uh, junk food advertising. Well, apparently United uh, Kingdom Group is... Uh, uh, in court, no junk food TV ads before 9 p.m. Isn't that interesting? They're trying to, you know, e- even over there uh, in the United Kingdom, the recipes are different. The foods are a little bit healthier. That's why things don't taste the same over there. And they care a little bit more about what they put into the food. In other words, a McDonald's hamburger does not taste like a McDonald's hamburger. 
uh, in Britain. But uh, what they're suggesting now is that after 9 p.m., ban the ads until after the 9 p.m. hour. And you would think about that. Okay, does that mean that those ads that are supposed to reach those kids <laughs> for the food, they're never going to hear them because they'll be in bed? How much sense does that make? Well, the, the, I think that's the idea, though, right, Ray? I understand, but really, when you think about it, come on. Again, what, w- that they're going to be up after 9 and they'll watch them, or that yeah. it won't infect it, or what? Uh, what I, do don't, I, don't, uh, I don't understand why, uh, why. Well, you and I have talked about this before uh, with respect to, you know, purchasing junk foods for kids mm-hmm. or whatever. As a parent, it's your responsibility to buy right. Right. And uh, I don't see how running ads after 9 p.m., it's going to help the situation that Well, much. my thought is, you know, the liquor uh, industry has gotten into some hot water recently where uh, I believe it's the FTC is requiring that a certain percentage of the audience must be over the age of 21. I think I'm, I'm guessing, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not guessing, but I'm trying to recall. I think at one time it was uh, uh, somewhere like... Uh, 60 70 percent of the audience must be over 21 they're trying to narrow that now to mm. more like 10 to 20 percent but yet certain programs are are limited at that point and i think uh you know the uk has a has a point in that mm-hmm. and you know this ray you're a little you're different than most parents you you know you rule the house and you make sure that your children are looked after and they're, they're not children anymore of course True. they're young adults exactly you're right yeah but uh i think that you know unfortunately today and for a long while uh Parents are, you know, influenced by their children in terms of where they're going to be taken for fast food, and if you kind can avoid, alone, yeah. if you can avoid the, sorry, yeah, they kind of let them alone, basically, no, no guidance whatsoever. Yeah. Exactly, and you know, I guess if the, I guess the UK is saying if you, you can't, if your parents can't uh, guide things properly, we'll maybe we can just avoid the, uh, yeah, avoid the messaging in front of the, the, the young people and hope. Yeah. And maybe they're in bed by 9 o'clock. I know I wasn't. Well, not to be in bed for Patrick Meyer, because this is worth listening to, okay? No, I wasn't either, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. If I said to you, what's the number one driver of your business or your client's business? You might say, the customer is king. It's the brand image. But my friends, let me give you what I think is the number one driver. It's all about product. I was with a friend of mine who runs a number of car dealerships in Florida, and I asked him about a popular brand and how it was doing. He said, yeah, it's coming back, and you know why? It's all about product. He said, it's not about advertising. He said, yeah, that's all important stuff, but it really starts with the product. So, my friends, the number one driver that you should have on your radar is product innovation that will intrigue, surprise, and delight your consumers. They have so many options, and they're not as brand loyal as they used to be. So what do you do? What you need is a steady stream over an 18, 24-month period of news value that will draw the consumer in and then want to talk about it. Take a lesson from Apple. There are at least 10 episodes over the last two years of iPod coming rapid fire. The same thing with American Express. There's a platinum card. There's a black card. So it's all about how you constantly evolve with different forms of product features. So how do you get there? I'm going to share with you something we call Operation Catapult. Three simple phases. First, we do what we call the navigator, getting a group of people to identify where are the strategic growth areas in a business, navigate as to where you want to innovate. Second, call innovator. It's going 
going after that and bringing innovation to focus on those growth areas that have been identified. Third, we do what we call collaborator, bringing smart people together against a handful of catapults that have been created to create a pipeline. So whether you're a client or whether you're in the agency, think about what's that pipeline of innovation from a product standpoint, and then wrap the rest of marketing around it and drive your business forward. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember, the marketing revolution is now. Good stuff from Patrick Meyer every week here on The Advertising Show. John Winsel is about to uh, join us here with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. We have, uh, he is the, uh, let's see, I'll tell more about this because this is a nice kind of size bio. You know, Brad, a few lines here. Director of Strategy Team at ID Society and a whole bunch more as far as his background goes. So we'll talk with John uh, momentarily here at theadvertisingshow.com. Great destination, too. It's powered by a company called Shipple.com. All of the cool stuff that goes with the Advertising Show website. Check it out. It's done by a program called Tendency, and uh, it's uh, Shipple.com. That's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. Ed and his crew do a great job here in our home market of uh, Houston, Texas. Back with more in just a minute with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on the Advertising Show. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. From San Francisco comes... Rice Aroni, the San Francisco treat. Rice Depending upon where in the world you're listening, it very well may be rice aroni time here on The Advertising Show. Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and we've got uh, John for this hour and for next hour. John is director of the strategy team at ID Society. He helps to fulfill the company's vision of uh, melding top-notch creative design with razor-sharp strategic thinking. He brings more than 20 years of experience leading companies to higher profitability. That's a good direction. Under his leadership, he took uh, three different companies to profitability in less than a year. He's worked with AOL and partnered with uh, Condinet, uh, directing content management and data integration functions for the Somalia section of the Epicurious website. He's also scored numerous successes on the IT uh, consulting and outsourcing markets and speaks at various technology and marketing events throughout the country. Well, John, today you are global uh, all at once, and you've got a great reach, and we want to say welcome to the advertising show. Great to have you here. Great, Brad. Very, very pleased to be here. Thank you very much for that uh, wonderful little intro. Thank yeah, you. and since you, uh, Somalia, my goodness, uh, do we need to tell everybody a couple hints about uh, drinking wine? Like, for instance, don't smell the cork when the uh, <laughs> when the waiter hands the it cork. to you. I tell people, you know, that, that's always <laughs> yeah. bad. Can no, you smoke you the like. cork? That's, yeah. that's the main thing. Exactly. Uh, you know, speaking of rice aroni, Ray, uh, <laughs> I'm curious, John, did you attend uh, AdTech uh, last month, April 26th and 28th uh, through uh, in San Francisco? I was not able to make it out to the, the rice-a-roni treat. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. For those that may not be aware, it attracted more than some 10,000 pre-registered attendees, up over 60% uh, over last year's attendance. And a couple of the hot topics, and we're going to jump into a few of those uh, during today's interview, was behavioral uh, targeting as well as search marketing. It's all been in the news lately, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But first, let's take a little bit of uh, 
a time out here to talk about uh, ID Society. I understand back in 98 it was seen more as a uh, flash design shop uh, as opposed to what you've evolved to today, more of an interactive strategic marketing agency. How, how would you, uh, for our listeners that may not understand what an interactive strategic marketing agency does, how would you describe for uh, our listeners what your uh, core competency is all about? The main thing we focus on is, is relationships, not just the relationships with uh, with our clients, uh, which are major Fortune 500 companies that come to us to help implement mainly digital strategies, programs online. But not only the relationships we have with them, but, of course, the relationships that they have with their consumers, uh, with their customers, and how we can create uh, fun, engaging, relevant, you know, interactive digital components online that... Uh, that help bring the brand alive and and tie in more customers, whether that be uh, associated directly with uh, customer acquisition, bringing in new customers, or retention, loyalty programs, community programs wrapped around it. So when you uh, hook up with a, a client, I, I would assume that in 2006 they have some effort being made in, in that regard. And, and do you come in as Mr. Fix-It, or are you sometimes at the uh, early stage where they really do not have a digital strategy in place? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. We're certainly working with clients to help kind of optimize the, the current experience that consumers may have on their existing site how to create, if it's an e-commerce site, how to create you know, multiple paths to purchase and, and uh, really increase that boost, get that lift on the sales so that consumers are coming back more frequently and, frankly, increasing their spend per visit. Uh, but in addition to that, there's still a number of, of new products, of new brands that we work with, new um, online presences that need to be created, whether it's you know, around some vanity URL or or campaign idea around the brand, or whether it be for the new brand itself. So we we still do a little bit of both there. And and do uh, do clients have a clear uh, understanding of what they want to accomplish when they get with you, or do you help them define their goals and their expectations? How does that work? We certainly work uh, very closely at ID Society to align ourselves with their goals, and many of our clients uh, have them. Um, others others have not clearly articulated. Uh, exactly what they're trying to accomplish. A lot of people, you know, we're past that stage where everybody felt they had to be on the web and nobody knew why. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. knows now it's about... Now they know what, to be it's there, about awareness. They know It's about money. Everybody knows why to be there, and they know that the site needs to do more than just be a, a flat corporate brochure. But then the question becomes, how do you, how do you make it truly engaging? How, mm-hmm. do you, how do you really break down that wall between the consumer and, and draw the consumer closer to the brand and, and show extreme relevance uh, between the brand and the consumer. Let's talk a little bit about how companies go about defining online goals. Uh, I'm sure you have some insight to this. I'm curious, is this typically, you know, research-based, the opinion of the CMO, the creative director, your company? I mean, how do you you determine uh, what drives the strategy? Clearly, the strategy is defined by business objectives, whatever business objectives that uh, you know that that they've either articulated to us that they brought to us, or many times at ID Society will will question the the brand team and the the stakeholders in the project and ensure that that they know what the strategy is, they know what the goals are, um, and that we define the the KPIs, the key performance metrics up front, that we define exactly how we're going to measure the success of the site and then optimize all the points to it. Like I said, a lot of people know. They need to be there. Some of them aren't really sure why, but 
bottom line, you know, in an e-commerce site, it's easy. It's all about performance. It gets a little mm-hmm. different when you start talking about Diageo, some of our other clients and spirits that don't actually sell their product online, and how you how you create a brand awareness and increase brand awareness in a, and and wrap around that consumer loyalty. Well, you mentioned that. What do we have, Ray? A couple minutes left? Yeah, we do. You know, you mentioned uh, your clients. One of your company's latest projects is for Armani, uh, GiorgioArmaniBeauty.com, which offers consumer fragrances and cosmetics for the first time outside of a retail, uh, a select number of retail stores. Uh, I'm curious, well, just talk a little bit about the, the, the idea, the strategy, and what, what you were looking to accomplish for your client, Armani. Well, Armani's uh, it's an interesting case study because there are, there are a lot of uh, kind of players on the board, if you will, regarding this. You have your North American marketing team. Uh, L'Oreal uh, owns the licensing to cosmetics and fragrances. So you've got the, the L'Oreal Paris global team involved. And, of course, Giorgio Armani owns the essence of his brand. Uh, so we had quite a few challenges in how do we, how do we bring an e-commerce site alive and, and create a, a destination for um, for consumers that are that are really loyal to the brand and want to learn more about the marketing and how to get these products online. Very good. We've got uh, John Winsel, our special guest on the advertising show this hour and next hour. We've got him for uh, one more segment this hour as well. It's uh, ID Society. His uh, website is idsociety.com. Go see what's going on there. It's kind of cool stuff. And uh, John is out of New York this weekend with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe, a very special guest. Uh, we've got uh, Jeffrey Gittimer, too, and uh, you may have heard of Jeffrey. You may have not. If you haven't or if you have, you need to listen to this next segment. The words are you and why. Jeffrey is a sales trainer. He does a great job of that, too, on the advertising show. We're happy to have him uh, be a part of the show as well. So stay with us. We'll be back with more Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe on the advertising show. Quick Takes on Sales and Customer Relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. There's two most important words in selling, two words that define sales, your sales. Can you guess what they are? Make money, customer service, close sales. Follow-up? No, no. Those are words about sales. I'm talking about the two words that lead to sales. Let me give you a hint. The words are separate. All right. Give up? Good. The first word is you. Many salespeople believe that customers buy their products and services first. Oh, no. The first thing a prospect buys is the salesperson. The first sale that's made is you. In order to affect any direct sale, the customer must first believe in the person conveying the message. The second most important word in sales is why. Why are you in sales? What are you doing this for? Are you in it to try to make some money? Oh no, wrong reason. What you want to understand is why you go to work every day, why you love what you do, and why you're doing what you're doing to help other people to get better. The second part of why is what you ask. Why are you in front of the customer and why will they buy from you? Exceptionally powerful. If you understand that you is the most important word with respect to selling yourself and the customer liking you, and why is the second most important word 
with respect to why are you doing this and what are you asking? What are the why questions that you're asking? The combination of those two things equals sales power. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from the advertising show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. There's just one schlitz, yeah, yeah, nothing else comes near. When you're out of schlitz, you're out of beer. Just one beer We're back yeah, on the advertising yeah, show with uh, beers for everyone here around the table. John in uh, New York and uh, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth here in the studios with uh, John Winsel, our special guest, director of strategy team at ID Society of New York this weekend. John, thanks for taking time out of your weekend to join us. Uh, welcome back. Happy to be here. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, and on the uh, bio here, Ray, we get a picture of John. Not always does it include a picture. And just, you know, he John's looks like picture. A kind of a guy. Looks you know? like the kind of guy you'd want to sit down and have a Schlitz with, is what I think, and maybe talk some face, tech. Got a face bill for radio. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to, uh, just to wrap up our last uh, segment and talking about uh, Armani and so forth, and just kind of a general uh, question for you, John. You mentioned that there are many challenges that you bumped up against in, in working with the Armani brand and bringing it into an online world. I'm, I'm curious, have you ever considered, uh, or maybe a client has considered, if, if a well-executed site, uh, the better executed it is and the better it is at doing its job, that it can steal customers away from, the, uh, from one's retail channel? That's certainly a challenge, and it was uh, something that we discussed uh, in depth with with the Brad team, with the brand team, excuse me, the, um, the Brad team. That's right. with the Brad team. <laughs> yeah, Brad on the brain. <laughs> yeah. The you know the the real challenge with the, with the Georgia Armani Cosmetics and Fragrances. There's a limited number of uh, retail outlets that they're available, so we weren't as concerned about quote you know cannibalization of sales as we are using the sales site as a method for replenishment. Um, there are many types of consumers, and when you're building an e-commerce site, you want to really break down uh, segment your database, understand exactly the different personas, the sales personas of those who come to the site. So there are people who, you know, they've been to Bergdorf's in New York on a visit. Maybe they live in the Midwest, but they, they know exactly what product they want. They know the SKU. They know the color number. So they can replenish from, you know, their Midwest home, even if they're not close to a retail outlet. And... Uh, because we are talking make makeup and fragrances, so there are a lot of challenges, you know, built in there, especially with a luxury brand like this. So yeah. they can, you know, they can mainly handle replenishments and and uh, explore new products, and and uh, there's a, there's a nice sampling program available too. So um, many many shoppers are rewarded with various samples, so they can try new things, and once they try it, like it, come back and buy it. Well, Ray's the uh, resident cross-dresser here on the show, so he has a lot of those uh, samples that you're talking about in his right, trunk, right, right, right. along with the wig and a few other things. But, for uh, sale, it, too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we're going to save next hour uh, to talk about behavioral targeting as well as uh, some search marketing concepts, which was all the all the talk back at the uh, Ad Tech Conference last month in San Francisco. Uh, and so if you want to hear that, certainly stick stick around till next uh, next hour. But, you know, let's talk a little bit about... Um, 
Oh, I don't know. How, how you guys work with a lot of the top cable networks. Uh, let's first talk about ABC Family Network. In, in 05, ABC Family emerged as one of the top 10 cable networks, but wanted to add something special to the 06 upfront ad sales presentation. And I understand that you guys uh, had a role in that, John. We did. We did. We created a, a sales presentation uh, and an, an online tool that would allow their, their sales and marketing executives to better present um, their brand and the benefits of the shows and the lineup. Um, for those that don't know, the upfront season is, is that rare time of the year when all the networks uh, try to sell you know, their advertising spaces uh, uh, upfront, <laughs> literally. Mm-hmm. And there's an extreme high level of activity with the various uh, entertainment networks at that time as everybody's trying to, to you know, pre-sell the space for the year. So how do you, you know, again, the challenge is how do you convey your brand, how do you convey it clearly, how do you deliver the benefits? And uh, we've worked with them to, to do nice sales presentations, including, you know, video and flash and combining a number of elements and technologies to prevent, a, you know, a nice sexy presentation that, that really sells the brand. You know, uh, yeah, and the upfront, certainly we've discussed this uh, frequently here on the advertising show. I'm curious, uh, do you have a sense, John, how ABC Family has fared this year uh, during the upfronts yet? I'm not allowed to even talk about it. No. <laughs> Actually, I mean, they're doing, you know, they're doing quite well. The, uh, the family of networks, you know, under Disney, they're, they're, uh, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's some, you know, wonderful innovations and interactive stuff that's coming out of uh, ABC in general and ABC Family, so very exciting. Well, let me ask you a loaded question then. Do you feel the Internet and other new media channels have, has affected this year's TV upfronts? Well, certainly it has. I mean, in television advertising in general, we, we read reports all the time of, of the shift or at least the, the decrease in spend for network advertising and the increase for interactive. Um, I, you know, I think there's, there's definitely that, that niche market out there of those I don't, you know, I don't think interactive TV is is going to replace, you know, seeing seeing computer shows, seeing shoes shows on your computer are not going to replace the cable viewing experience. It's it's too indoctrinated, frankly, into into our psyche. The cable channels have done a good job of the cable companies have done a good job of of tying us to hundreds and hundreds of channels and a, a linear viewing experience. But there is a niche market that does want to take control of what they watch when they watch when they watch it and, and how they watch it. And with all the time shifting between Devo, TiVo and, and the, uh, you know, DVRs, all that's changing. And, you know, Disney and ABC have played with that with episodes of Lost and other things that they've allowed for free uh, on the Internet. Um, and I think it does reach a, a niche market of those who, who want to see, you know, what they want when they want. Uh, but I don't see it as a major, you know, as a, as a major movement. I don't think it's in jeopardy. You know, we're going uh, to have to take a break here, okay. Brad, here in just sure. a minute. But looking at John's picture, I think I saw him in uh, Godfather uh, Part Two. If I'm not mistaken, I think he was one of He's those the, guys on the side. He was the dead guy, wasn't he? The no, he was alive. Well, I am I'm now. You weren't supposed to tell. Oh darn! Okay. Witness relocation in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good place to be relocated. To. We got more uh, with John next hour here on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Stay right here. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show. Meet Mr. Clean, Procter & Gamble's new all-purpose liquid cleaner. 
Mr. Clean gets rid of dirt and grime and grease and just a minute. This is the Advertising Show. Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth. Welcome back. We've got uh, John uh, uh, Wenzel with us next hour as well, uh, Director of Online Media Strategy, ID Society. IDSociety.com is his uh, website as well. So it's cool stuff there. And uh, what do you have in front of you there? What is that? Well, it's uh, old news by now, but there may be some listeners that haven't... Uh, haven't heard about, uh, well, first of all, ABC's World News Tonight has been struggling. This is no secret for those that are right. in touch with uh, ratings and network television. Two weeks ago, for the first time in nearly five years, the nightly newscast slipped, unbelievably, to number three behind CBS among total viewers. So it became very clear that ABC had to do something and right. do something quick. So earlier this week, they announced Charlie Gibson, Charlie Charles Gibson, Gibson's, yeah. as going to be replacing uh, Elizabeth Vargas and Diane Sawyer. Uh, well, Elizabeth Vargas, who was with, uh, of course, uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Woodruff until he uh, had his accident. We don't hear so. much about Bob uh, lately. I hope he's doing well. A- and the cameraman that was with him as well. Yeah. I haven't either. I guess he's on his r- road to recovery. And, of course, Elizabeth so. Vargas is uh, pregnant uh, from the few dates that you had with her up in New York. But, uh, you know, other than that, uh, Charlie Gibson yeah. apparently will be leaving Good Morning America for good June 30th. Mm. And uh, I've always felt, you know, between me and you, well, let's make this statement now for the record. Uh, Charlie Gibson's a great uh, news person. A lot's been talked about uh, uh, our, our fine person from the Today Show that will be uh, anchoring the CBS News. That's right. 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 Uh, Katie Couric. I will venture to guess that, and I'll just stick my neck out here. Here it goes. Mm. Okay. I will venture to guess cool. that you will not see any major shift in ratings when Katie Couric ends up doing the CBS Evening News because people just aren't watching the Evening News because they are busy doing other things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Network Evening News has been eroding uh, audience share for a long time, and it's basically reaching the gray market, the older crowd. And I don't don't care who's anchoring it. It's still going to only command a certain level of audience. And, you know, whether it's Charles Gibson on ABC or or Katie Couric on on, uh, CBS, I don't think it's going to make any difference. I I tend to agree with you on that. uh, I, it's almost much ado about nothing here. Uh, and what are you going to do? You know, go home early because Katie Couric's doing the CBS on? Evening News? It sounds to me like an early retirement package, basically. You know what I mean? Well, to me, oh, you mean with Charlie Gibson? No, with with Katie. Yeah. Yeah. Run well, for a couple of years and say, well, you know, this is not working out that well. So, all I know is that when she made that announcement, what's it been? A month now? Yeah. She said she trusts her heart and she trusts her gut. I don't want to be visualizing Katie Couric's gut. Why well, we've seen when every, she, every other part of her. Why shouldn't we see her heart and her gut? Well, we've been inside. We've been. Uh, <laughs> that's true. And she, she, we know when she says that she's very anal. We know exactly what she's talking about now. Yes, that's and, exactly uh, right. And, and then you know she's she's. Uh, She's a little bit like Oprah. She, she uh, Oprah's now settled on a particular weight. For right. a while there, she couldn't choose up one. Down, but, uh, but I think uh, Katie, uh, you know, she's a small person, very petite, sure. at least on the top, and then, uh, <laughs> and then on the bottom, you've got, uh, you know. A different person in any event. I don't want to vision, vision, uh, visualize her uh, trusting her gut. Okay, that's fine. But I think you make a very good point. Uh, in other words, t- taking Charlie off the mornings uh, and putting him on the evenings, 
Uh, that's a pretty heavy-duty move, and I think uh, I think Katie leaving the the Today Show in the morning is. Uh, I, I don't know how that. What do you think that's going to happen with uh, with ratings? Because uh, they are number one in the morning. Well, if it, I think it, we've talked about this, it's a, it was a lifestyle change for Katie Couric to move to CBS. Sure, yeah. And who could who could blame her for that? If there's a potential of losing audience, yeah, mm-hmm. it's in the morning uh, time for network. And people are not going to become more available to the evening network news just because you have, uh, you know, this person versus that person anchoring the news. It's just a matter of audience availability, and there's a greater sure. potential of audience availability during um, what used to be called breakfast television as mm-hmm. opposed to uh, in the uh, early evening uh, mm-hmm. hours. So I don't know, Ray. I, I think I'm with you. I think I would have kept uh, kept my power where it was in the yeah. morning uh, yeah. and uh, – and not move those people, but that's not for us to decide. I like the uh, I like the Today Show. I like uh, Charlie Gibson. Uh, I even like the CBS stuff that uh, that they were doing back then. So it's mm-hmm. they all give their fair share of good stuff for the mornings. But uh, as far as the evening goes, I don't watch the evening news. Uh, well, I don't. And and are you at home at five thirty Central Standard Time yeah, or right, daylight time? Now? Yuck. Yeah, yeah, 530. Mm-hmm. Right. Who would who would be available? Wait, and think about that. The local news stations as well. Who are they marketing to at 5 o'clock in the afternoon? Or even Whoever happens to be there. 4 o'clock. Whoever happens to be there. They're kids. Time yeah. to put that junk food on. We have uh, more on the way with the advertising show, Ray Sullins, Brad Forsyth, and more with John Winsel uh, coming up next hour. Uh, advertising Showcase is next. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. You know, Brad, back, back when that commercial came up, you may you got to wonder whether uh, housewives, moms and dads mm-hmm. and things like that didn't say, it's a new bug killer from the makers of floor wax product by Johnson & Johnson. It's like, ugh, that's not good. Why couldn't they just put in the floor wax? That'd be the best way to We've do it. We've often asked that, and maybe they'll, somebody's, you know, in R&D is listening to the show. I hope so, because I yeah. want the answers now, as a matter of fact. <laughs> we, uh, we look at the good side and the bad side of advertising. It seems there's been a trend here, almost like a ratings upswing or something like that, uh, over the past uh, several weeks. It's, it's mostly been a lot of good stuff out there, and I like that. Uh, although it is kind of fun, Brad, when we get the bad stuff, too, as well. This week, it is good advertising here on The Advertising Show. And now it's time for The Advertising Show's Advertising Showcase, an outstanding example of on-target advertising. For the good stuff, here's Ray and Brad. Okay, what you're holding there is very large. And it's, yes. Uh, it's, uh, what, what is that? Well, and you're right, Ray. We've been kind and 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 very passionate uh, and compassionate to the mm-hmm. better advertising we see out there. And well, just because it's available more often than I than think the you're past. right. Well, and it's easier to showcase the good stuff, and maybe we can all learn from uh, the good because the bad it seems like uh, doesn't quit. So I don't yeah. know if we're learning, but in any event, Ford, a major sponsor of American Idol, Ray. You're are you a big fan of American Idol? Uh, no, not at no. all. Well, uh, Ford has been a major sponsor of American Idol this year and, of course, since uh, year one back in '02 when the program launched. And, and they've incorporated what has been called a music video within the American Idol program. And if you're a fan, uh, I'm sure you've seen these. If you're not a fan, let me, let me give you the breakdown on this real quick. Back in uh, 
earlier this year, March 15th, when it came down to just the 12 finalists, uh, Ford embedded a music video that aired within that uh, first program, March 15th. I remember that. Yeah, we were yeah, talking about it, that. Yeah, and it showed uh, it showed the twelve finalists camping out while singing to the hit song "All I Want," which is uh, of course uh, "Toad the Wet Sprocket." And uh, then the following week, the uh, America America voted off you know one of the performers, and we're down to eleven. And Ford had created another music video featuring the Mustang this time in a beach situation, uh, and we had uh, the Go Go's doing their "We Got It," uh, "We Got the Beat," and it wasn't the Go Go's, but it was their song, and it was right. the eleven finalists singing and being around the beach and all this. And this goes on every episode uh, as the groups continue to get smaller and the finalists uh, become you know a smaller crowd uh ford has continued to uh, highlight various products during this particular uh, series of uh, episodes and uh american idol website uh, was created by fox as well where you can go visit uh, and see these particular videos if you're interested americanidol.com but you know what what ford has done here ray uh, in developing this strategy where stars of the hit tv program they're sponsoring in this case, American Idol, are, are integrated into the Ford commercials, showing each of them using the product and enjoying the product and having a lot of fun with the product. Uh, what they've done here is sent a real clear message to viewers and fans of American Idol, and the message is simple. You know, if you want to be hip and cool just like the finalist on American Idol, then, you know, you too can go buy a Ford and you'll be hip and too cool, hip and cool as well. And I think that really is the message. And what Ford has come up with here is a, a means to take the brand value of their various Ford models and use stars from the hit TV program mm-hmm. to convey the brand value to uh, impress the young prospective consumers that happen to be watching American Idol. So what we have uh, is just really a, a great example of branded entertainment that – uh, is not only an outstanding example by itself, but a, a good illustration of how to do it the right way. Yes, I mean, y- yeah. if you've seen these music videos, and likely if you've, uh, if you're a fan of American, uh, you have seen those, yeah. I have, and yeah. I know you have. You come away with probably the same impression that we're talking about here, which is a very impressive uh, impression of how Ford and their agency, J. Walter Thompson, has figured out a, a, a truly in- integration strategy that is. Extremely Extremely well executed, uh, and and a way to really get much more value out of a sponsorship of a particular show. So, that said, congratulations to J. Walter Thompson and Ford for this week's America's uh, I'm sorry Advertisers <laughs> Showcase Item of the Week featuring American Idol. American Idol, Idol right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's what they call us from time to time, American Idols. You know, well, that's true, or something like that. Maybe it's not and, Idols. I'm not sure. Well, they, they did away with that. Uh, with that website xx dot xxx instead of x uh, dot com, oh really? Because those sex things, you know, you heard about that. You reported yeah. on that several weeks ago. Oh yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, and Jay Walter Thompson obviously knows what they're doing, and they're in a great place, and they've done a lot of great stuff along the way as well. So just here's another project to chalk up as being a good one here on the advertising showcase. Good example, yes. Very good. We've got uh, more with uh, John Winsel uh, coming up next hour. Uh, John, originally from Kansas City, which Brad. You originally hail from as well, uh, that area, correct? Barbecue. Barbecue. Yes. I spent many years. I didn't grow up there, but grew up nearby. But, yes, uh, Kansas City is a great place for a big, fat steak and some barbecue. And it's a great Midwestern 
town with some good people there. Yeah. And John made it to the big city. He's uh, now the director of online uh, strategy, uh, media strategy at ID Society. If you haven't been to the website, you really ought to go there. It's called ID Society. Uh, dot com. Very well spoken and very knowledgeable as well as he's been in the biz for, what, 20 plus years? No, it's got to be more than 20 plus years. So he looks like he's been in the business more than 20. Oh, we don't want to say that. No, no, no. no we, we and you grew up in Cleveland, which is a good Midwestern wholesome town, right? Yeah, I think it's a great place to grow up. Uh, Cleveland, yeah. Cleveland, Ohio is a, is a lot of great people there. Actually, Bay Village, Ohio, which is a lovely suburb of Cleveland. Uh, we talked about um, George Steinbrenner when we had, uh, what's his name, Joe Perillo on. He was the right. CMO uh, of New York City. Steinbrenner actually lived in Bay Village. Uh, Did he? When he, when he was the, uh, the owner of the, the Cleveland Indians. So. Huh. It's cool. It's good. But, yeah, we came from a couple of great cities and ended up in a couple of great places as well, too. So that's good stuff. We've got, um, let's see, Joe Jaffe, a different perspective, virtual reality. It's, a, it's an environment called Second Life where people buy and sell virtual stuff it doesn't exist and they get lots of money for it this is weird but it's true andy borowitz too talks about howard dean coming up in hour number two the wacky world of marketing on the way and lots more with uh, john winsel too out of new york on the advertising show with ray shillings and brad Forsyth. go to the website and check it out there's uh, so many things up there uh that you can take uh, listen to uh take advantage of uh, some of the conversations we've had with a lot of people over the past several years it's the advertisingshow.com. It's a good destination as well. Well, you're probably there right now, as a matter of fact. Advertising Show brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at age.com. With Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, it is a Big Radio Midgets production. Welcome to the Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And because it's hour two of the advertising show, it means you've got 60 more minutes of great entertainment here, including our special guest today, John Winsel, Director of Online Media Strategy at ID Society. It's idsociety.com. We've also got for you here in just a couple of moments uh, one of our uh, features, Joe Jaffe's different perspective about virtual reality in a place called Second Life. It'll be interesting. Andy Borowitz, too, about Howard Dean at the bottom of the hour. And uh, let's see. No, not at the bottom of the hour. Uh, the Wacky World of Marketing at the bottom of the hour. Howard Dean will be with, uh, with us uh, right at the uh, final quarter hour here at the show. With Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. Visit online at adage.com. Advertising shows the big radio midgets production. Excuse me. And, uh, well, so how are you doing? Well, I'm doing good. And, you know, opening the uh, show during the first segment, we were talking about uh, food advertising, and we got into talking about uh, yes. exposure to young people when the, they should be in bed. And, and I mentioned about uh, the alcohol industry and mm -hmm. their limits to advertising to audiences. And I, I was able to uh, recall, in spite of all the uh, drugs and alcohol that I did as a youngster, my brain still works. It's unbelievable. That's but uh, <laughs> but the uh, I was able true, to folks, okay? I was able to recall that the current uh, self-regulatory guidelines happen to be uh, audience. They they are uh, again self-regulatory, so this sure. they adhere to this on their own. That they advertise only to audiences where seventy percent are 21 or older, and they're trying to get these uh, uh, alcohol advertisers to limit their 
advertising where audiences uh, only represent 15% when they're under 21 or moving that percentage up to 85%. Mm-hmm. And I think the issue there, Ray, is going to be that it, the difficulty to advertise to a quote-unquote legal proper audience when you when it's shifted to 85% because I'm not sure, you know, how you're going to you're not going to have as many uh, advertising opportunities when you narrow that uh, under 21 age group to only representing 15% of the audiences. Sure. So yeah. I don't know how they're going to do that. I think 30% is is probably uh, strong enough. But what do we know? We're both a couple alcoholics. <laughs> no, I mean, we're, we're a couple of uh, imbiters. Imbibers. We imbibe. I mean, imbibing. Yeah. Not imbibing now, though. No. Can't Imbi- do that there. Yes. Uh, yeah. We do enjoy that, but we enjoy it responsibly. Right, Brad? Right. Yes. Like right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a responsible thing to do. It is. Well, when you've got John uh, Wenzel on the show, and he has many clients, one's uh, well, he's got some liquor clients. Maybe we'll right. talk to him about that. I hope so. Yeah, he. I, he what, what was he? A crown? Is that right? I think that's what it is. That and Tangeray and some other stuff, and you know he's got some cable TV clients. So whenever wow. you can drink and watch cable at the same time, that's got to be a good gig. <laughs> you just can't operate the remote very good. That's all. Yeah. We've got uh, Joe Jaffe here. Listen to this feature. I think you're going to find it interesting. If you dare to risk seeing the world from a new point of view, join us now for a different perspective, featuring author and new marketing consultant Joseph Jaffe. And Shi Chung is a land baroness. The Chinese-born language teacher now living in Germany has amassed assets worth more than 250,000 U.S. dollars by buying land, developing it, and selling it or renting it out. Now she's known as the Rockefeller of Second Life. Now, for those of you that don't know what Second Life is, nothing that I just said would strike you as out of the ordinary, except for the fact Second Life is actually a game. It's a virtual reality game that takes place online that has already amassed thousands upon thousands of avid players that are essentially living or reliving their lives and expressing themselves in a way that we could not have imagined. This game, if you don't know about it, you should absolutely go and find out more about it because it's not all fun and games. In fact, a company called Cromco Corp is, has actually built a virtual gas station and by doing that they've been able to grasp the station's workings much easier than it would have been on paper. All this is in a latest Business Week article and I encourage you to read that. In fact there's another company called Rivers Run Red that has saved $175,000 by using Second Life to eliminate expensive modeling services and travel. So go out and check out Second Life. Get a second life. This is more than gaming. This is about a new way to live and a new way to work. This has been A Different Perspective, featuring Joseph Jaffe, president of new marketing consulting practice Jaffe LLC and author of Life After the 30-Second Spot. You know, Brad, there are people who are buying and selling virtual real estate on other planets uh, in space. You make commission? It's Yeah, it's Mm. weird, but it's going on. Uh, Wired Magazine is a good example of that. In, you know, what, what did he say? Business Week? Is that what he said? I forget. Uh, uh, I don't really pay there. attention to that stuff. I kind of relax when I have the vignettes going. No, I, I, could, I don't remember. I think it was Business Week. Yes. Okay. Yeah, there you go. But, yeah. You know, it's funny uh, talking about online. And, you know, the advertising shows about advertising, whether it's uh, radio, television, outdoor, you know, print, uh, 
But that's the name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but really, when you think about our guest today, online media strategy, here's something else. We just did a feature on online gaming. Hmm? And uh, retailers, uh, online sales are growing by double digits. This is according to a USA Today article this past week. Uh, uh, becoming more comfortable with using the Internet. Well, that goes without saying. Online sales will top $200 billion this year, up 20% from last year. According to the National Retail Federation's online division, shop.org, that's nearly double what online sales were just three years ago. Nearly double. And mm-hmm. the uh, sales are projected to be $211.4 billion in 06 versus $176.4 billion in 05. Uh, real growth uh, for the retail industry overall, that's Scott Silverman, who is shop.org's executive director. He said they're growing by about 3% a year versus double-digit growth online. So uh, tra- travel, by the way, obviously is the biggest uh, the biggest thing uh, with online Yeah, and, stuff. you know, just, just to size that up, uh, as I recall, the travel was somewhere around 70-some-odd billion, and of the 211 that they're projecting, that's almost 50%. Now, I don't know if that 70-some-odd billion that I recall being mentioned as the travel uh, sector for online uh, transactions was re- reflecting last year's uh, 176 billion and if that was the case that's over half uh, well i'm sorry not quite half well what, uh, the, what they're saying here is it's 62.8 billion so you're very close 05 projected to rise an additional 17 in 06 oh, of course okay uh, so that's close. quite a bit of that's quite a bit on travel in one but yet that's not to diminish uh, you know, just retail transactions and other activity online, which is uh, humongous. Well, huge. what they're, they're suggesting, that, and this is two things, comfort and familiarity, okay? It's been a hurdle in the past, but people are used to being used to uh, using the Internet, email, uh, doing research. Uh, and, and what they're saying, Silverman says, if you're not in that game as a real ta- re- uh, retailer, you're at a huge disadvantage and how many people aren't doing that you know we'll hear ads and see ads on television all the time and on radio people do not use the power of the internet to uh to uh uh, you know come across and and beef up uh, opportunities for sales and i just Mm -hmm. don't uh, quite understand that yet well you know comfort and familiarity is why my father every christmas used to cut a hole in my pocket for a gift well, he was a generous man. He was uh, generous. Yes, exactly. I didn't get much out of it, but he was generous. <laughs> we'll go there. We've got more advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. As a matter of fact, we're bringing back uh, John Winsel in uh, just a moment, so stay with us. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. My beer is Brian Golden Dry Beer. East side, west side. And the question, Brad, is why would anybody want to drink a dry beer? I want it to be wet. Okay. John Winsel has uh, purchased the two-for-one package today here on The Advertising Show. He gets to come back for the second hour. No, we're joking. Uh, John is out of New York, strategy team for ID Society and just a whole bunch of other cool stuff going on there. We told you about the website before, but here it is again, idsociety.com. Don't ask Imagine how that. to spell that, okay, because yeah. you really shouldn't know how to do that. Uh, John, welcome back to the show. Glad to have you here. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, uh, and last, as promised, we're going to talk about behavioral targeting. We're going to do that in just a second. Uh, you know, not long ago, you mentioned this last hour, not long ago, companies thought translating their 
brand's position online was simply a matter of just repurposing the uh, company's advertising and putting it on the web. You also referred to uh, what was uh, commonly known as brochureware not uh, not so long ago. And uh, uh, hopefully people have all graduated to a more sophisticated way of looking at the uh, online potential there. And I think a lot of marketers, John, hear about viral marketing, but they don't really know how to execute it or leverage the Internet to their advantage or maybe don't even really understand viral marketing. Can you start by uh, defining uh, viral marketing for us, and then we'll talk a little bit about some advice that you might have for those that are exploring viral marketing uh, uh, strategy. Sure, sure. Viral marketing or word of marketing really is just a... a, uh it, you know, a marketing a marketing method that that provides some contagion, some region, some reason to share uh, the marketing message with someone else. Where it gets tricky with major brands is in how reverent you become to the brand, or how irreverent that marketing material may be. Some of the hottest stuff out there that gets passed along is frankly very irreverent. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to ask the question: Does it then meet? you know, any particular marketing objective. Is the objective just awareness? Is it awareness just for awareness sake? But what are you really trying to accomplish with a viral or word of mouth uh, plan? So we often counsel some of our major brands to focus on on the business objectives and, and finding fun ways to do it that, uh, that are still reverent to the brand and still build it. Take, for example, uh, the personal shaver. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this. Um, mm-hmm. From Norelco, there's a fabulous, fabulous ad campaign out there that um, uh, does that. It's uh, it's it's tongue in cheek, it's fun, it's engaging, it's getting passed around, and it was number one seller on Amazon.com last week. Wow, hmm, I haven't seen it actually. No, I haven't either. And you know, let, let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, the various uh, forms of viral content. Now, I think a lot of people when they think viral marketing, they think of uh, video content in particular, and certainly that's something that's taken uh, front and center in a lot of these uh, cases. What what other forms of uh, content would be great uh, opportunities for viral strategy? Well, you know, viral, you know, viral has often, you know, with the with the rise of video and, and YouTube and increased, you know, bandwidth, uh, you know, permeating the U.S. and more and more households, Video is fun and easy to share um, right now. You got to go back to you know to email as being the single most viral element <laughs> in in the internet. That you know j- even just capturing a URL and, and forwarding that URL to to a friend saying go check this out. That that's the most basic uh, you know word of mouth activity activity out there. But again, you want to look at, at at rich content that may be relevant and how it can you know how it can build the brand and. And really incent others to participate in the program or play ball. Well, and as you say, sometimes it can work to your benefit or against you. And I know uh, one of the major car manufacturers uh, invited consumers to create uh, an ad for them, and it had a bit of a backfire, and I know we've all read about that. Uh, You know, I understand the beverage and spirits category, John, has really migrated to an online channel and and with, uh, in particular, promoting uh, through online channels and getting around a lot of the... uh, uh, issues that they have to deal with in general media, and one of your one of your clients at ID Society is Ray's favorite Crown Royal whiskey. Uh, <laughs> talk a little bit about your <laughs> no. talk a little bit about your online brand relationship marketing that you created for Crown Royal, John. 
Well, Crown, Crown Oil is an exciting brand uh, at Diageo and, and, and boasts a, a very large, very successful online uh, loyalty program called the Society of the Crown. And we, you know, not only built the website for Crown Royal, um, but uh, also built the uh, subsite for the new, well, it's not new anymore, but last year when they announced um, a NASCAR sponsorship. They were the first Spirits uh, sponsor for NASCAR. Well, that's an interesting um, connect. And built wow. a, you know, we built a, a whole subsite and tried to really bring that relevant, fun, engaging, you know, NASCAR experience to Crown Royal fans. There's uh, some wonderful experiential activity going on at the track big purple tents where you can go in and see the cars and learn more and and uh, we're looking at a lot of offline methods that can drive to web and capture information and just cast a broader net uh, to, to capture new fans and and draw them into our you know communication uh, uh, program for the for the brand yep. so it's been very exciting with the NASCAR acquisition with uh, uh, a lot of things including TV we, we had a, a agency that was working on a sizzle reel for Crown that was falling around. We had a lot of uh, exclusive video, and uh, the challenge was how can we how can we bring this content alive and, and keep it relevant to the brand? So we built a Crown Royal, you know, crownroyal.com slash TV website to house all these different channels and episodes and create multiple, I mean, literally in a three-minute spot, there's, there's dozens, if not hundreds, of brand impressions. Uh, that are laid you know, right in front of, of the consumer. And we found some very exciting metrics behind that. I mean, clearly you're watching video, so your page durations are going to increase. But, um, uh, and that's one key metric for success. But while those page durations are, are increasing, again, you're, you're getting all that brand exposure, all those brand impressions and messages uh, in front of your, your target audience. But the second thing that was really interesting was consumers. We had a couple of drive-to-web activities and, and tested some behavioral marketing and some segmented stuff, and we found that consumers that hit that video page were twice as likely to join the Society of the Crown. They found real relevant content. They wanted to learn more. They were engaged. They were willing to give us a little information and, and, and join the club, if you will, and, uh, and, and stay on. So it was quite a, quite a successful program that uh, ID Society built for, for the Diageo team. Yeah, you know, anytime you can get your consumer, I think, to engage with your your product or messaging uh, on a one-to-one basis through an online uh, interface has got to be a good thing. I'm curious. You kind of raise a, uh, I think, a, a curiosity at least on on most of our listeners' part. I know it has on mine. In in the risk, I think maybe of uh, tying a spirit like Crown Royal into NASCAR yeah. and the issues of drinking and driving. Sure, sure. Any um, any concern there? Was that discussed? It's a big concern, and it's it's a it's something that's handled very uh, uh, open and upfront and delicately uh, by the Diageo brand team. Um, they have a very very strict set of digital governance rules that dictate exactly how we communicate, exactly what the message is, and uh, ensure that we're reaching a, a 21 year old you know and over audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, there are. Uh, legal drinking age requirements. Once you come to the site, you need to sign on. Um, even at the track, before you come into an experiential, uh, you know, into the Crown Royal tent, you have to show your driver's license, of course. And and we we run those driver's licenses against, uh, you know, a third-party database to verify that that they're accurate before they're ever communicated with by the brand. Wow. So digital governance is a very strong and, and serious uh, platform in the whole Diageo uh, strategy. 
to ensure that we have a message of social responsibility. And uh, that certainly is, you know, a, a key element of our online communications, our offline communications, and frankly, every communication that we that we do for the brand. I feel compelled to uh, say that this portion of the show is being brought to you by not that I Tangeray. <laughs> <laughs> We've got uh, John uh, Winsel, our special guest out of uh, New York, uh, director of the strategy team at ID Society. A lot of good stuff so far, and we've uh, got good news. There's more to come here in just a moment. On the Advertising Show, it's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and we are so happy you uh, tuned in today at theadvertisingshow.com. Stay with us. And now, it's time for the Wacky World of Marketing. Wacky World of Marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott. Our wacky update heads to Redondo Beach, California, where AP is reporting home sweet shipping container. Sven and Anna Perkel are constructing their new Southern California house out of the massive steel boxes used to ship freight. The couple has hired architect Peter De Maria to design the seaside structure in Redondo Beach. The family says they weren't interested in the typical Spanish or Mediterranean designs common to the area. They're also saving money. Using shipping containers cuts the usual construction costs by half. The designer, De Maria, predicts shipping containers are the wave of the future for homes. And that, my friends, is the wacky world of marketing. This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and unfortunately, the true wacky world of marketing. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. What walks downstairs, a loner in pairs, and makes a sneakity sound. A spring, a spring, a marvelous thing. Everyone knows. Imagine the guys around the uh, uh, research and development table there. Let's say you take a spring and you put it in the box and tell kids to roll down the stairs. Sell millions of them. On the advertising show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, our special guest for one more segment is John Winsel, uh, director of the strategy team at ID Society out of New York. John, welcome back to the show. Gentlemen, thanks for having me. Yeah, and as promised, uh, behavioral targeting, a hot, hot topic right now. I think you can't uh, read about anything online without at least coming across either uh, uh, BT or search marketing. And let's uh, delve into behavioral targeting for a second, John. For those that may not understand the idea of behavioral targeting, describe for us the idea behind uh, BT. Well, the key, uh, the key element here is I'm, I'm constantly surprised at the number of, of, of serious, you know, Fortune 1000 level brands that have collected a database, they've collected names, and they send the same message on a regular basis to the entire database. Rather than diving in deeper and learning really who their customers are, how they behave, and really starting to segment uh, their, their, uh, their database and, and create very specific communication streams to very specific segments. For example, find out who your true brand lovers are. And, uh, and speak to them in one voice. Uh, and those that aren't as acquainted with your brand but are still there, speak to them in another voice. It also allows you to create different incentives and, again, to segment and, and watch consumer behavior, target different consumer behavior uh, with your marketing messages and your whole, your whole marketing digital platform. I think that 
we get so locked up in advertising with demographics, 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 and the keyword now is really psychographics and learning how consumers behave and and how they act, and especially when you start looking at the teen market and and uh, and kids today, they're all about expressing themselves, and you, you just you really have to learn about consumer behavior and find that relevant voice and, and speak to them with it, or or you'll miss your audience. You know, that's an interesting point. Separate messaging for your uh, loyal customer versus non-customer. I think that's a really interesting point. You know, back to uh, staying with behavioral targeting for a second. You know, it's often pitched, John, as a solution for a remnant or low low CPM inventory. But in the case of uh, video, for example, many sites are uh, already selling out of their contextual pre-roll inventory, I understand. What are, what are your thoughts on this? Is Is this a big misconception? Um, I don't think so. I mean, the, the way the market's playing out, that's uh, the market drives, you know, the inventory. That that is that is what it is. It's not. Uh, I, I think the key thing that's being missed is is relevance, and in trying to create marketing messages that that really speak to the consumer um, in, a, in a fun and engaging way, rather than just the same old. You know the same old ads, the same old animated gifts, the same old you know tired stuff. It's it's a three-dimensional medium. There's a there's a chance to kind of break through and not just do your offline advertising online and not just repurpose it. There's a chance to really marketing's a conversation. It's all you know. It's it's about really engaging and, and wrapping around more of a 3D experience and engagement experience uh, around it than uh, than a two-way street. Do you, do you think that uh, user-generated sites are going to need to make money just like Yahoo and MSN then? Absolutely. I mean, you, you, everybody learned the lesson, you know, from, from the whole bubble burst. You've you got to make money or you're not going to be there. You can't just build it and, and uh, hmm. you know, assume, assume the best. Um, so what, what, what's there, the revenue model then, John? There's a number of different revenue models. I, I think there's a lot of consumer insight and trends and data that can be mined from, again, the, the consumer behavior once they get to the site, uh, depending on, on how they act, what they do, what content uh, is, is uh, the most appealing, um, and, and what content is the least appealing. And consumer-generated content has been uh, a really tough nut to crack with some of the larger brands. You, you, you mentioned um, you know, the car and truck manufacturer who had a problem with some consumer-generated uh, stuff before that, that we all know about. But... Um, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you allow consumers a voice and then control that voice, and and let alone do it in real time, uh, and then how do you afford the monitoring of, of that type of feedback? So, it's 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 still a problem. There are certainly certain strategies that you know ID Society puts in in front of the brand team, such as having a, a brand spokesperson, somebody with a specific voice uh, who can. Take questions, you know, handle it more like the old bulletin board rather than a real live time, uh, you know, dynamic uh, uh, data feed, and then let the let the brand spokesperson decide what questions they're going to answer. And it still has the appearance and look and feel of uh, blog and interactive content and user generated questions that come in, um, but the brand can still control the experience. You know, I uh, read recently where Google's market share is up for the ninth straight month. Uh, in April, I believe Google had uh, gains of uh, something like, uh, in terms of market share, 43.1% of all U.S. Searches are, searches are going through Google. Just to compare, uh, number two, uh, Yahoo, 28%, and Microsoft's MSN, 
uh, 12.9%. Can, can these other two competitors ever catch Google? And we got about a minute here. Not sure if they can catch them. There's such a, a nice entrenched position that Google's carved out for themselves and really owning uh, that experience. But I don't think they're going to go away either, and I don't think they need to. I think, I think Google needs to be kept uh, you know, just as honest in a, in a competitive uh, advertising environment uh, as the other agencies, and, and that competition helps, helps breed you know, that, that clarity. So um, uh, I, I think it's interesting to watch what they're doing, watch how, how Google's trying to control, frankly, your, your desktop and your whole experience there uh, in, in a positive, branded manner. And there's some, there's some interesting things going on with the, with the desktop. And the story of uh, how a young man of uh, Kansas City made it big in New York City, right? John Minsel, <laughs> special guest. Thanks for being with us today on The Advertising Show. It's been fun. Enjoyed it, gentlemen. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thanks, John. We have more in just a minute with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. We are the men of Texaco. We wear the Texaco star. Boy, they don't anymore. <laughs> Nor do they have a red flag in their back pocket to no. clean your, check your oil. And let's hope they don't. Um, uh, what else? And if you go buy it and you say, didn't that used to be a shell station? <laughs> <laughs> it seems uh, here in, in Houston, uh, most of the Texaco stations are gone now. Uh, everything is turned into Shell or Exxon right? or something. I, and I'm really confused as who owns what now, actually. I think it's just one company, if I'm not mistaken. But that's, Well, that's you go to the wrong service station and ask somebody to check your oil, you could end up in the hospital. How <laughs> <laughs> true. How true. Oh, man. So what do, you, what do you have there? I'm looking here for something. Well, you know, this, this weekend uh, is the ninth run, 90th running of the Indianapolis 500 car race. Are you a big fan, Ray? Actually, not of the car races, no. No. But, uh, but uh, the Indy 500, I mean, most everybody is, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, the old, what they call the brickyard, right? Uh, yes, the famed yes. brickyard. Well, two savvy marketers will be doing some really cool things. Chicago-based uh, Freedom Roads, the nation's largest RV dealer network, as well as Camping World, the nation's largest retailer of RV and, and outdoor supplies, Ray, will hold their first-ever RV Expo at the Brickyard this, uh, this weekend right now, uh, just south of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway's main gate. What's interesting about this is the uh, Expo is covering three city blocks, and attendees can view and purchase more than 40 new RVs and other related uh, things. But i got to tell you, you know, back in the old days, uh, I guess we've been doing this for a while uh, as far as the career of advertising. Back in the old days, they used to call that special event marketing, and then they started calling it event marketing. Now it's called place-based marketing. But this is just an outstanding example because when you think about it, Ray, 400,000 on-site spectators will yeah. be coming, you know, across and into those gates and uh, and yet being exposed to RVs and camping, uh, you know, camping and outdoor supplies. Talk about matching up a, a great potential uh, customer for your for your product. I mean, gosh. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a good idea, I think. You know, thinking of RVs and such as well with uh, with the uh, gas prices the way they are, uh, yeah. which they're way out of whack, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's got to be a tough sell, or maybe maybe it's not. Maybe the folks who do the RVing and say, you know, it would cost me that much to stay in a hotel, and they're probably right when you think yeah. about the average cost of a hotel. You know, they're going to pay a. But but I mean, can you imagine filling up an RV for with gas at this particular point in time? 
you would have to, uh, well, you'd probably have to use your American Express card or be a very uh, good And have a no limit, yes. You're right. You're right. And it must be a tough sale right, sell right now to, to do that. But I guess, you know, it's kind of like uh, maybe the audience that is that is appealing to an RV uh, type of uh, experience is not so worried about uh, gas prices. That would be my only guess. Now, I'm not going to suggest, neither are you, that uh, gas prices aren't hurting RV sales. My guess is that it is, don't you think? You would think it would, yeah. You, yeah. You've got to think it would slow it down. I mean, it, the gas prices are hurting everything at this point in time. So uh, my daughter just bought uh, just bought one of those new Honda Fits. It's called a Fit, F-I-T. Is that one uh, of the hybrids? It's, no, no, it's not a hybrid, but it's a 32 uh, up to 40 mile uh, per gallon uh, vehicle oh, gas. small, vehicle. very small, right? Yeah, but it's really weird because it's a small car, but it's really not small. Huh. It's got uh, 15-inch tires, and it's got a lot of room inside, both headroom and legroom, and it's uh, it's a really neat little car, and because it's a Honda, it's a good car, so uh, hmm. we'll see what happens. But it's interesting to see the perception. And speaking of gas, and we're not this is not the car show or whatever that other show on NPR is. Uh, I got my first bad batch of gas. You know, they're putting ethanol in gas now, right? Oh, I didn't know that. No. And uh, it's like, so we get to pay more for something that we're getting less of. And, yeah, the car does not like the gas. Uh, hmm. it's, it's So you get to spend more money on an additive to make it run right. Get out. Yeah, seriously. And, and I, that's never happened before. So well, it's kind of strange what's going on here. Before you know it, corn on the cob will cost more <laughs> because of ethanol. <laughs> no more corn. Use some canned corn. That'll be fine. Cream style yeah. will be fine with me. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, this, this is something because I'm, a, once again, a new grandfather. Uh, umbilical cord stem cell banks. Aim the, aiming their pitch at uh, new moms. Have you seen that, the Viacel? Uh, it's a biobank for storage of umbilical cord stem cells. I've got mine right here wrapped up in aluminum foil. Your I carry it with cord? me everywhere I go. It's lint, I think. Just in case. <laughs> no, I think it's lint. It's something. It's not the, the biotech company is appealing to moms to consider keeping their children's stem cells in storage for possible use through uh, television, internet, and magazines. And I've seen the ads as well. Yeah. And it does it's make a good a idea. Yeah, it is. And it's quite expensive as well. I think it's, um, I want to say it's twelve, fifteen, seventeen hundred bucks to do something like that. Well, and you know, uh, it has the health benefit because if your child gets sick, they're supposed to have some kind of uh, capability of helping them out, right? And rightfully so. I think it's a yeah. great idea, but, it, you know, it's something to look at uh, for your kids uh, as they are born because you've got to do it at that point in time. We've got right. one more segment here on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and we're going to tell you who's going to be on next week as well, so stay with us. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Shoes that never went out of style. They're back. You just see them in different colors now today and different fabrics. Uh, the Liverpool Tees. Great shoes. I was waiting for the Nehru jacket to come back. That hasn't happened yet, though, Brad, so I'm mm. looking forward to that. <laughs> we have, uh, we have a, I want to say, first of all, thanks to John Winsell, Director of Online Media Strategy at the uh, ID Society, as opposed to the Dead Poets Society. 
Um, and uh, we invite you to visit his website and check out what he does. Some good stuff there as well, good advice. Donna Fenn is our special guest, and I know why this lady was chosen. Well, probably not, but uh, the author of uh, the book called Alpha Dogs, How Your Small Business Can Become a Leader of the Pack. Uh, hence Alpha Dog, a hmm. contributing editor of Inc. Magazine. So uh, that's that'll be fun. And I, I would bet a whole bunch of money that she's probably got dogs, too, or something. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. So And anyway. if you're a small business person, as it says in the title there, Ray, that you read, uh, it, it's a great uh, it's a great guest and a great uh, show to make sure and tune into because the, the book uh, showcases eight successful entrepreneurs who share their stories and strategies. So it's right. kind of an interesting approach to learning from those that have already succeeded and figured it out. So we have a book here in the studio. Let me get it. Hold on a second. Is yeah. This is, a, this is kind of an interesting book, too. This is by a lady by the name of Ruth King. It uh-huh. The Ugly Truth About Small Business, if, uh, 50 Things That Can Go Wrong and What You Can Do About It. And she's got some interesting uh, stuff in there as well. It's only 50? <laughs> well, it's a small book, okay? It's a yeah. paperback. So anyway, Hey, it's, real quickly, yeah. uh, American uh, Inventor, have you been watching that? Yes, absolutely. Our former contributor to the show for, what, two, three years? Exactly. Mary Lou Quinlan. Yes, is one of the judges there. And she does on, a good uh, job too. She does do a good job. She's she was always passionate as a regular contributor here on the advertising show and uh, weekly contributor, mm-hmm. and she's very passionate when you see her on uh, Simon Cowell's program. She you know, was, Simon's the producer of that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And the other folks on that show are interesting. I think the whole the, the whole quartet there is a, is a good group of people to uh, to do that, and it really is cool to see these people present the ideas. And for those of you who said there are no new ideas, well, think again. American Inventor is on what, what, what night is it? I think it's ABC. It? It I think it's ABC, but I, I'm, you know, I may, I may be misspeaking. See your local directory. TV Guide. Yes. No, right. Does TV Guide still exist? Yeah, I guess it does. Yeah, it does. They have their own channel now. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Go figure. That's true. We have, uh, yeah, we grew up with the actual book, didn't we, Brad? Yeah. But uh, no, they have it. I'm sure they still sell the book, but they have it online as well. And, uh, yeah. The cable. Uh, I just push the button on my remote and the, the thing comes up and it shows you what, what's on. Now you I don't have like to go. I like that too. Yeah. Okay. We have uh, Andy Borowitz, who um, from time to time still does make guest appearances. Uh, on uh, the CNN's American Morning, which is uh, doing a pretty good job, I understand. Uh, I, I don't know how high they are in the ratings, but they're still doing pretty good there. But Andy Borowitz continues to be uh, phenomenal. He's going to Australia for a speaking, not a speaking engagement, but like a comedy tour. So the man's hot, and uh, we've got him right here on the advertising show. Hi, this is Andy Borowitz for the advertising show. And now, here's this week's feature from the Borowitz Report. Amid a growing belief that there is no way the Democrats can blow the 2006 midterm elections, Democratic National Committee Chief Howard Dean sought this past week to reassure the party faithful that the party was doing everything in its power to uphold its losing tradition. The top-level summit called Defeat 2006 being held in Boston, the former Vermont governor gave a rousing speech to concerned Democrats, bringing his audience to its feet by vowing, I can assure each and every one of you we will find a way to screw this up. Vice President Bush's approval rating below 30%, and key Republican members of Congress, the targets of ethics probes, many Democrats have been worried that their historic role as losers and sad sacks might come to an abrupt end this November, where Mr. Dean attempted to quell. Folks, let's not forget, we're Democrats. Mr. Dean said, if there's a way to lose, we will find it. 
Carol Foyler, a longtime Democrat from Bethesda, Maryland, who attended the summit, said that she had been worried that the Democrats might somehow pull out a victory in 06, but added, just knowing that Howard Dean is in charge makes me feel much more confident about losing. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from the Advertising Show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to borowitzreport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying, keep it fake, baby. He always hits those great stories, doesn't he, Brad? Oh, yeah. That's Andy Borowitz, Ray Schillens, Brad Forsyth, our uh, guest next week, Donna Fenn. Author of Alpha Dogs, How Your Small Business Can Become a Leader of the Pack, and also contributing editor to Inc. Magazine, which is a great publication as well. So we look forward to uh, meeting Donna. Hey, last week we talked about 7-Up and their new campaign to uh, reinvent themselves as a different kind of a carbonated beverage. Mm-hmm. And now uh, Coca-Cola is trying to put the fizz back in Sprite. Uh, well, they need to do something, I guess. Huh? That means dumping the drink's uh, hip-hop image, the Sprite, and appealing to teens with a new marketing campaign that is uh, interactive, tongue-in-cheek, and somewhat weird. <laughs> okay, that'll do it. If yeah. teens have to explain to their parents why it's cool, we won. According to a marketing vice president at Coke who oversees Sprite, um, in a commercial, two sumo wrestlers, one in yellow, one in green, are running toward each other in the forest. They collide into a teenager uh, dressed in a disco-style tuxedo, their bellies smashing his face. This is supposed to symbolize the lemon-lime flavor that the Atlanta-based company calls Lyman. Well, hmm. how about that? So that's that's the new Sprite campaign. I haven't, I haven't seen it either, actually. No, I haven't. But when you mentioned the sumo wrestlers, it reminded me of what you said a few weeks ago about how uh, Depends is coming out with a thong. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. They should. Well, <laughs> even though if it's, you know, sometimes if you get con- confused and put it on backwards, it could be a huge mistake for you. I suppose. <laughs> you know? But not putting it on could also be a huge mistake. That would even be a bigger mistake. Yeah, yes. it would be a big mistake. So yeah. Sumo wrestlers and uh, all those guys to make you buy Sprite. How about that? So it's been a great show today. We enjoyed uh, talking with uh, John Winsell, Director of Online Media Strategy at the ID Society. And look forward to uh, Donna Fenn next week on the Advertising Show. Go to the AdvertisingShow.com website. You can do that throughout the week. We've got the podcast and the RSS feeds and a whole bunch of media and marketing intelligence information for you to do a better job at what you should be doing, which is marketing your uh, your, your business. So go there, theadvertisingshow.com. We look forward to seeing you next week as well. Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit them online at adage.com. Always a great resource, too, as well. So we'll see you next week. See, the music's still playing here, Brad. i got to keep talking. Here we go. This is a Big Radio Midgets production. <laughs>